We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's the True Faith Newcastle United podcast. You have Alex Hurst, Norman Riley, and Emile Franchi to talk through Newcastle United nil, Liverpool 1. The winning streak is over. Uh, four wins in a row in the Premier League is over. Six home wins in a row is over. And Liverpool march on on their pursuit of an unprecedented four trophies. Uh, we're going to talk through all of this and more. We're going to get into what happened, why it happened, and what we think. Emile, let's start with you. You are sat here in Collingwood Street on Sunday morning, feeling fairly positive about that performance in that game. Absolutely. 24 hours on. Um, I think this time yesterday, me as well as many other Newcastle fans were trying our best to get into pubs and getting that feeling where you thought, you know what, we'll have these today. We'll go get these, won't we? Um, then Salah's not playing. Trent Alexander-Arnold's not playing. You start to think, oh, yes, yes, yes. And then, um, you know, it was a... It was a shame to lose 1-0. I think I saw a tweet beforehand saying I'd rather lose 4-0 than, than lose 1-0 and, and have actual go for it. But um, yeah, I think that was the that was the case yesterday. It didn't hurt as much as Chelsea and, and Everton because we didn't lose in the fashion that we did. But we, we lost in a way that the lads can hold their heads up high. Eddie Howe tried to, to I guess, adapt for the game with not playing Wood again. Um, we, we looked at the team beforehand, you and me, Alex, and we said, you know, there's a chance that we can actually go at them here and um, yeah I think watching it it was good but there, there were definite moments yesterday where where things felt a bit flat you felt as though it's just not going to be not going to be the day where Newcastle can pull something out the bag like they did against Leicester so um, defensive display I was very impressed with um, certainly a, a couple of them um, Target and Burn, who I'm sure we'll talk about and uh, Dubravka as well but it just Newcastle were just lacking that thing in the, the final third we, we just need that that spark and I'm sure that next season um, Newcastle are just going to get better and better and I think yesterday was a, a, a little insight to how far we've still got to go to, to get up to the, the level of uh, one of the best teams if not the best team in the world Your thoughts mate Norman? I mean I'm not um, not really reflecting much on the result because it was Liverpool and they are one of the best teams in the world and we were managed six months ago by Steve Bruce and we're an absolutely <laughs> terrible club and this side that we played I think what it did was it just showed the the sort of gulf in class they made those changing uh, changes and I like Emil I was feeling more positive thinking well look Milner as fit as he is and as good as he is he's 36 years old we've got an energetic midfield maybe we can stamp more authority there didn't turn out to be the case because Milner had an absolute blinder yesterday I thought um, what we saw was no matter 
no matter how we came out yesterday, if we'd gone, you know, gone for the jugular immediately. And I do think the early exchanges, we were decent the first 15 minutes. I thought we played very well. Then we'll just start to creep back into it. I do think if we'd opened ourselves up and attacked them, we would have been absolutely slaughtered. And okay, you could argue that, well, at least if we'd gone for it, we would, you know, we created chances. We tried to, you know, we tried to win the game. It doesn't matter that we lost 4-0. I think in terms of morale, getting hammered would have, you know, it, it would have affected it quite severely. And also, I think even if we tried to attack them, like we still couldn't. They just they they are so good. They kind of attack you in waves. They press really high and they almost box you in. And Emil's right to say that. I thought you know defensively we did do well, but that defensive performance was very much the the sort of Alamo type defending that we are used to six months ago. I'm not saying that this is a, re- a reflection on on how. By the way, I'm just saying that Liverpool are so so good that I think we yesterday, regardless of what we've done, I, I, don't, I genuinely don't think there was a way of winning that match. I think they're in such good form. And as I say, that goal is so big. It, it's it's almost like an irrelevant result because in the sense that I, I'm not I'm not walking away feeling, oh man, the, the winning runs over. I'm just thinking, no, the winning run was fantastic. And how now knows, if he already didn't, what he has to do, what needs to be done pre-season to get us up to even three quarters of Liverpool's level because we're not even at that level yet. I... Uh... I, I, you know, you've both made some good points there, and Norman, you're right. I think that I think that Liverpool made five changes for that game and still dominated the game. And, and if we're being honest with ourselves, probably should have won by more. Martin Dubravka is Newcastle's best player. Sadio Mane misses a chance, which just you just expect him to score mm. every single time he's unmarked six yards out. He, he should score. Um, I, I, I'm a little bit disappointed with the second half. You know. Eddie Howe talked in the pre-match press conference about him, you know, the manager being looking forward to seeing how close we are, how far we are from from Liverpool. And I think uh, Keith Downey of Sky Sports asked him in the the, the post-match press conference. You know, you said this pre pre-game. What are your assessments of that same uh, point post-game? And Eddie Howe said, "Well, we're, we're you know we're miles away. It's not that he said it's not a surprise to find out we're miles away, but we are miles away." And you know, he said he was disappointed. I don't think there's. You know, you can you can both show Liverpool the respect they deserve as probably the best team in the world. You know, we'll see how we, we feel after Manchester City next week. But in terms of putting in that kind of performance, it, it's a very very good performance, and they've been very good recently. Um, and still be a little bit disappointed with what Newcastle produced in the second half. Um, I think we're capable of a little bit more. But like you said, Norman, and like you said, Emil, losing one nil to a team like that in a game that that meant everything to them. It doesn't mean that much to us, sad as it is. And you want to be at this point of the season. You want these games to mean a lot at the top end of the league because it means you're doing something right. That's what the benefits of being a good team are that you are involved in those conversations. And these games in April, in particular, April and May, mean a lot to you. The flip side of that, to, to agree with you, Norman, is that game yesterday should have been excruciating for us. It should have been head in hands. It should have been, oh God, what are Burnley going to do at Watford? It should have been walking out of that game eyes on fucking Watford and and maybe a little bit on Leeds later on but who give you know hilarious that Burnley one by the way absolutely <laughs> hilarious but but it doesn't matter for us and I suppose that's the you know that's the real victory you know bigger picture stuff it's 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 made me appreciate kind of one being a little bit disappointed that we weren't able to show more from an attacking perspective and um has made me realize how far we've come and number two realizing that we can just kind of move on we can have a nice week we can look forward to another probable defeat of Manchester City and that'll be fine too because next season it's going to it's going to go off and you know the hard work that the the owners and the the manager and the players and the fans and everyone involved with the club have put to get to this point to allow us to lose a game in that fashion and just kind of be like oh well that was annoying see you next season 
I think that's a real positive, Emil. Yeah, I think it reminded me of the Man City game in the, the Pardews fifth season. I remember that game. It was Yaya Toure scored both goals and there wasn't so much a crushing feeling after that game. You, you knew that the season itself was a, a bit of a reward for the fans and saying like, you know, look, look we're actually taking on City. It was 2-0 in the end. And that game for me, when I sat in there, I remember that the atmosphere afterwards was was just like, yeah, well done, lads. You know what? Fair, fair enough. You've, you've you've tried and you've you've earned this free hit. Essentially, you know, you're up against a great team, probably going to be a champion. And uh, Man City were, and um, yeah, just really like proud of what they've done so far. Couple of things. Yesterday, I think even if we'd attempted to go, you know, you say you're disappointed with the second half, Alex. Understandably so. I mean, you know, you look at the whole game. We didn't we didn't even get a corner, right? So yeah, you could go. Well, did we actually even try and attack? I mean. But I do think that if if we'd even like, even if like we'd tried to go for it in the second half, I don't think it would have made any difference because they they were just so so good. They, they wouldn't even they wouldn't have allowed it. We don't have unfortunately we don't have the talent in that side to press a team against Liverpool to really go for it. Like it, I guess the point I'm trying to make is if Howard set the players at half time right, I want you I want to get out there, I want you to press them out of the pitch, and I want me to try and break them down. I just don't think Liverpool would have allowed it. I, th- I think the way that they, the way that they attack, the way that they press, we we aren't capable of, of breaking through that. And also, the the second thing is it is it is the game itself being you know air quotes meaningless to us. The amount of adrenaline. I said this on the um, instant reaction yesterday, and like on reflection, I, I'm still of this opinion that the amount of adrenaline you put in when you're battling against relegation or you're you're battling to win something is so. It must have been so huge that when you actually achieve the objective. It must just be this absolute drain of energy. And, and I thought yesterday the players didn't look as sharp as they perhaps have for the last six weeks. Yeah. I don't think that's a lack of fitness. I just think that is a massive, massive sort of mental drain that they've, that they've gone through for the past four or five months. And Liverpool are still at the height of that adrenaline. You know what I mean? We've Our adrenaline's gone and they're right at the height of this. So I think yesterday was always going to be a tough ask to get anything out of the game. And I can't look at it any other way than thinking, well, like, let's just move on. We're going to get better. It's as simple as that. Yeah, well said. I suppose if we talk tactics a little bit, um, you know, he, 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 I thought that Chris Wood was rested at Norwich. He wasn't. He's played ASM through the middle up front yesterday. He's played Joe Linton on the left. We, we might talk about individuals a little bit more later on the show, but I, I felt like we missed Joe Linton in midfield yesterday. I understand why he played further forward, but I do, and, and I also I feel like possibly ASM, who we'll come on to later in the show, wasn't trusted. A lot of people talked in the build about not being trusted um, on the left-hand side to do any defensive work. He was kind of given a free role. He was eventually switched over uh, when Wood came on. Um, but I just I just felt, you see, get it wrong. We'll have to analyse these things. Eddie Howe has done everything right. You know, would I, would, if Newcastle play Chris Wood, ASM on the left and Joe Linton midfield, maybe Joe Linton has a bit more presence in midfield and gives Milner and Cater in particular a harder game but then you also might lose 3-0. So like what, like it's kind of, I'm agreeing with you, Norman, that one one tactical change or tweak doesn't fix that game for Newcastle. It is just a difference in quality. And also I kind of left the ground thinking, you know what, if we'd had Wilson and Trippier, if we, you know, that could have been a completely different game because you can't take a player, two players of those quality outside of our starting 11 and expect them not to be much worse. Hence making the performance and the results without those two players over the last four months uh, almost, you know, even more remarkable. But 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 to think to win a game like that and to, to even possibly get something to Manchester City, you have to be looking at, you have to play with your best players. Liverpool are able to drop five players, drop Mo Salah, and still replace them with quality. 
Well, ultimately, Wilson's replacement yesterday is Alison Maxman playing out of position, and that's the big that's the biggest issue Newcastle have got. But we will move on to part two of the show after this. Uh, these adverts. We're on Patreon for six pounds sixty a month. You get uh, about forty extra Newcastle United podcasts with myself, Norman, Emil, and a host of others. Would love it if you join us. Join the nearly seven hundred and fifty others who have signed up. Back after these. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Okay, part two of the show. Norman, you 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 touched on it a little bit there, but you want to talk about this result in terms of the greater context of the of the season and the journey the club are on. The season, even right, I said this to you yesterday in the in the pub after the match that even if we lose to Man City, Arsenal and Burnley, and look, the reality is we could because every single one of those clubs has something huge to play for. Man City need to win because Liverpool are probably going to win all the games between now and the end of the season. So Man City need to do that in order to win the title and they're a brilliant side and it's at their place. Arsenal, they desperately need the points to finish in the top four. And Burnley, of course, that they're probably going to be going into that game highly likely. I mean, who knows, because they're not terrible, but you know, we can always <laughs> hope that they might be going into that game needing at least a point to stay up, if not the win. So even if we lose those three games, and as I say, I think it's, it's feasible that we could because I don't think how's the kind of manager who will let players rest on the laurels, put their flip-flops on, get on the beach, all of those kind of cliches you throw out at the end of the season. But at the same time, regardless of that, regardless of the desire of those players, the mere fact that these other teams have more to play for means that I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if we lose the game. So I'm, I'm trying to actually look at this season, including those three games as defeats, right? And ultimately, it would still have been a fantastic season. Yesterday's game against Liverpool, we've kind of come up to a bit of bad luck, really, the fact that these last four games have been against sides who've got everything to play for. Um, and I think that, you know, we may get to that point at the end of the season, think, oh man, these last four defeats have really kind of taken a bit of the sheen off the season. But they wouldn't have done. They wouldn't have done. Like I, you know, I'm saying it right now that this season, regardless of what happens to a team now in the end, has been absolutely spectacular. And also, I think during the week I was saying all I want to see is us being competitive against Liverpool because of that, that golf in class, right? Because Klopp's been there for I think six years now. He's been at Liverpool seven seven years. He's been building. He's been building, right? O- ongoing. It's an ongoing project. He's building. He's going to leave a legacy. This is what we. This is what we want to see from Howe. This is what I, I, I believe that Howe is capable of doing. 
So I look at yes and I think, well, actually, within six months, he's taken me from being an absolute shambles of a club without a win on the board, unfit players, disjointed squad, a mole in the dressing room, this absolute horror show they inherited to within six months, but competitive at home against Liverpool. Now, obviously, Big Steve got two points against Jürgen last year, so hey, mm-hmm. make it that way you will. But no, I, I'm, all I saw yesterday was a side that was very competitive, but was lacking adrenaline, but was also a kind of... It, it showed its limitations, but there's a, there's a lot there's a lot of hope there. Like within six months, he's taken us from this one terrible place to being competitive against one of the best teams in the world. And as I say, regardless of what happens between now and the end of the season, it has been phenomenal what Eddie Howe has achieved. Yes, it has. All, all, all great points and totally agree because, like you say, it, it's almost hard to comprehend. You know, uh, the, at the end of December, Newcastle were 19th in the league and, and, and now we are disappointed. I am disappointed about yesterday because... And I think Eddie Howe spoke about this post game. He said he said he thought the team played fine. He wasn't, you know, um, hyperbolic in his praise. He wasn't like it wasn't Steve Brusesque. It wasn't like well that was excellent. You know, when you lose two 0 to Man City, that like, was excellent. Well, how could it be excellent, Steve? Because if you get a point or you win the game, do the words even exist to describe a two 0 defeat being excellent? You know, Howe said it was fine. The team performance was fine. They worked hard, but he said he was disappointed with individuals. Mm-hmm. Um, he didn't name them he was pushed on ASM who we will talk about now he's pushed on him by Craig Hope I think and, and he said I'm not going to talk about individuals but I think he probably meant from an attacking sense uh, you know I'm, I'm assuming a lot here but I like I like that from him I like the fact that we've, we've, we've only lost by one to Liverpool like we keep saying who've got, who, who have to win the game uh, whereas Newcastle don't and and he's still saying I'm disappointed with individuals. Some individuals didn't perform, and, and that's a positive. That if that message is being repeated in more detail in the dressing room, which we assume it will, that bodes well for the future. That we don't just get out nil one and pat ourselves in the back and think, oh, the goal difference hasn't taken a hammering. We're not looking at um, like the previous manager used to do. We're not looking at we need to get forty six points to beat the last bloke, like Bruce used to go on about, which was just so like. I don't know how we'll end up talking about Bruce so much, but fucking hell, it's going to take us years to recover. But there isn't there isn't any of that bullshit. It's like, we did fine. I'd have liked us to do better. We needed more from 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 key players. And he's probably talking about um, Joe Linton, ASM uh, in particular, maybe Miguel Moran and Bruno. Because, because if those players play well, Newcastle at least get something out of the game. If those players have good games, uh, then the chances are Newcastle play well. And they didn't have good games because it's very hard to have a good game against very good teams. I also think that, you know, Jurgen Klopp, he's made those changes. I think he, he's gone with the midfield that he's gone with because of Newcastle's midfield and because because he probably fears Newcastle midfield a little bit. Most teams that we play against, particularly when we play at home, can't match our intensity or our running in midfield, and that's where we tend to get a lot of joy. Jurgen Klopp yesterday, I thought, picked a midfield specifically to do that. That midfield was, and it was the same midfield he picked, by the way, I think, when they beat Man United away. 5-0, um, and that's only two times those players have started a Premier League game this season. Uh, we, of course, know St. James's Park is a much harder place to go these days than Old Trafford, but I, th- I think that's a little bit of a compliment, and the players will take a lot from that, and Jürgen Klopp, um, Eddie Howe will take a lot from that. But I like the fact that he's not stood there at full-time beaming, saying, you mm-hmm. know, it's going to be tough, it was always going to be hard, uh, the lads have done well. He said, yeah, it was fine, you know, it would defend it okay. Um, Martin Dubrav Kasman of the match who could have scored more but they didn't it's not like they've missed open goals or the keeper's done a Tim Krull at Spurs and pulled off 14 saves it's like you know Liverpool played well they're a very good team you have to respect what they did respect what Jurgen Klopp did during the game on to the next one let's see how we can do better against Manchester City so you know that's positive Emilia you want to talk about some of the lads in the defence 
Yeah, I think um, Dan Byrne for me. I think every single time he was going for something, I was I was really impressed with how well he coped. Uh, you know, Norman mentioned about the Alamo. It was certainly a game for him and I think Target to to deal with these these really high caliber players. Uh, I think Diaz had a lot of joy getting down the wing. I think. Unfortunately, Miguel Almiron showed why we're struggling with him a bit yesterday because there was a lot of time when there was big gaps and uh, Liverpool were allowed to just sneak in every single time. But I think that the fact that it did get down to burn in that in that final third for Liverpool, he, he just seemed to be on it. Um, even even so much as like getting up front, he was just really really keen to make sure Newcastle didn't suffer a, a heavy defeat. Maybe he's really scarred by that Tottenham performance and. Doesn't want to make that happen again, um, and then of course Dubravka, like you say, man of the match. Um, I thought he was he was fantastic. Um, it's so good to have defenders that aren't somewhat like prone to making these these mistakes that frustrated us so much uh, during the season. I think if you were to compare the the home game against Man City to this one, and and, and how much better we look at the back, and we're not, we're not suffering these these embarrassing four nil defeats to a really good team. We're we're actually you know almost going toe to toe. Um I think Target dealt with everything, Burn dealt with everything. I was I was just really, really happy to see that. And I'm not sure if um Cher going off was, was was maybe like a little bit iffy. And I know a few people around me were like, oh God, here comes Jamal Sells. It's like it's gonna get sent off or, or something mad's gonna happen. But I think as well, you know, in a in a way, Lascelles himself didn't really do anything that I think was, was was too worrying. There was a few moments where he looked a bit scared on the ball, but that's just what we've come to know with Lascelles. But I think again, once uh, another player that that seems to have tightened up in in this this new defensive unit. You know, when you've when you've got better players around you, you've got a better team spirit around you. Um, as we've seen with Kraft and, and everyone else, it's it's just good to have that that back line. And I think Dan Byrne was a, was a credit to the team yesterday. Dubrovka has an interesting one. Because I thought he did have it. He had a brilliant game from a, a goalkeeper saving shots perspective. He, you know, there was a save in the second half. I think we clawed it over the ball. It was just absolutely spectacular. Yeah. Um, second half of the first half. My memory. My memory's a, a little bit fuzzy. It's hard because they, so. swap, they swapped ends, so it's really confusing <laughs> yesterday as well. Um, but um, what we did see yesterday was, if you, you watch Alisson's performance, and obviously he didn't have much to deal with in terms of direct shots, but what we saw was that modern incarnation of a a top-level goalkeeper who kind of patrols the sort of 30-odd area of, uh, of his goal, right? And his distribution, Alisson's distribution, was, was ridiculous yesterday, right? He takes risks, we know that, but that's just, that, that comes with territory if you're a goalkeeper like him or like Edison. Whereas Dubravka yesterday, for all of his excellent saves, his distribution was terrible. Mm. It was really, I thought, how mentioned yesterday, we didn't get a chance to, to counter-attack well, and I actually thought there were a couple of occasions where we did have that opportunity, but Dubravka's Balls out were just poor. They kept sort of veering off to the to the left, I think, and the, and the just, there was just no accuracy. And I think what that shows is, I love Martin Dubravka. He's been a brilliant, brilliant player for Newcastle United. He saved us so many points. But again, it was one of those games yesterday. I think well, I, you can see where we if we want to make it to the sort of top four, there are positions that are key and that need to be changed. And there's an argument I think that Dubravka could stay at Newcastle, but it might be as a as a backup to a goalkeeper who comes in and can can distribute the ball like your sort of top-level goalkeepers do now. And uh, just quickly on Matt Target, I thought Diaz had him for the first sort of 20, 25 minutes, but he really grew into the game to the point in the second half. And it was tactical from Klopp as well. He switched Diaz onto on the craft. Um, and there was one tackle that Target made on Salah, which was just out of this world. Yeah. And if you recall it, he, um, he puts his kind of left foot in and it's just brilliant, absolutely brilliant to take the ball off Salah's toes like that. So I get him signed up. 
Yeah, I agree. I also think it, it is, I probably blame him for the goal where Cater, uh, he, he's running with Cater and then he just leaves him. I don't know if he thinks someone else is going to pick him up. Obviously, we're, we're one centre-back down, which is probably why we concede that goal. And it wasn't a foul, but also it's bad luck because Char goes off with that injury. So he's clearly hurt. Um, before we talk about other players, uh, Norman Word for Andre Marini yesterday, can you kind of articulate why fans are so frustrated with his performance? It was absolutely terrible. No, look, no, look the goal, when she, uh, was it Shea that was on the floor, I think? Yeah. I mean, it was a perfectly fine tackle. We yeah. saw it, right? We saw replays watching slow motion. But he was just atrocious. He, he gave, he let them get away with so much. I genuinely thought during the game they could have probably had like five yellow cards yeah. and, and he just didn't book them. And it, it's really frustrating. And also, I, I'm, I'm getting into conspiracy theory territory, yeah, but it's because I'm a Newcastle fan. I'm subjective and I'm utterly annoyed by his performance. But I'm sure he's got links to Liverpool. I'm sure that he has. <laughs> I'm going to look into this. Somebody tell me if I'm right, wrong, yeah. It's just, it, I don't think any of the decisions he made influenced the results. So it's not like hard lines from our perspective saying, oh, the, the referee was bad, therefore we lost. But we deserved to lose, and the referee was a fucking disgrace. It's the inconsistencies. That's what that's what kills you as a football fan. So when Fabian Shaw's down there, the play on, that's the rules. You play on, fair enough. Later on in the game, a Liverpool player was down, not a head injury, mm-hmm. and he stopped the game. Mm-hmm. And you're like, all right, so is it just when Liverpool have a chance to score and we'll play on? We got obviously fucked over pretty hot again. We didn't deserve anything from the game at Anfield, but there were two issues there, possibly three, which you thought, you know, this is this is not right. This is not how how games are supposed to be refereed to one team's clear advantage. And like you say, there was there was a there was a lad um, wrong side of a player trying to counter attack who just basically pulled them back in the first half, and um. It was, you know, he just he just give a foul, and you like, in, in what world is that not a booking? And Newcastle might have three or four chances to counter attack in this game, Andre, and you've just rewarded them. You've just said that not only have they reduced one chance to counter attack, it's actually two because he can do it again and not get booked. Um, and as well, the the linesman just just while I'm on me high horse here, the linesman in the second half was consistently putting his flag up early in attacks, and it's like, hang on, the, the, you've got That's two linesmen at two different ends of the pitch applying the laws differently to the game. Let it play on, and then VAR will, will will intervene. Maybe every single offside call there was correct, by the way. So I'm not again. I'm not saying that this influenced the game, but it seemed to be as soon as Newcastle attack into the Liverpool end, the flag can't go up quick enough. Mm. But at the other end, the flag stays down until Salah's taken around the keeper or until Mane's put it wide. Then the flag goes up. It's it, it was very frustrating. Yeah, that, I think it was the first time I've ever seen a linesman interact with the crowd as well down where I was sat in the uh, East Leeds corner. Um, the, the linesman actually turned around as if to say they're checking VAR, but I was like, <laughs> are they? Really? I was like, I've never seen a guy do that. And it was like, so everyone in the crowd was shouting it and I can't remember what it was for. I think it was when um, when, when Sher had gone down just before the goal and he kind of went, and I was like, no, they're not. Like, they've not said it. Where, where is it? Like, are you actually checking it or not? Are you just making it up just to get these fans off your back? But also, why are you interacting with people in the stands? <laughs> do you think that um, the deference that referees show to teams such as Man City and Liverpool, when it happens to us, because it will, you know, when world domination is complete, do you think we'll be sat in these podcasts saying, E, that was terrible, the ref, he was so biased towards us, it's incredible. I really feel for the opposition. Or do you think we'll just never talk about we'll it? Invite, invite him on the show. Depends who we're playing. You know, if it's someone we don't like, we'll revel in it. But but you, there was a point in injury time when Liverpool had a very soft free kick and Andrew Robertson was quite literally juggling the ball to waste time. Yeah. Liverpool did waste time by the end. Oh, the, 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 sorry, I'll just quite jump in there. In injury time, right, because I'm, I'm a very sad individual, I stop. Uh, I put me um, me watch on the the kind of um, the time on me watching injury time and I always time it 
So the four minutes yesterday, he literally blew on four minutes, I think four minutes 20. Yeah. But at, in that injury time period, in that four minutes, Liverpool wasted about a minute and a half. Like it was, it was clear. I was thinking to myself, this is going to get to six minutes. This it has to. Yeah, and it did. It was, he just went boom. As soon as he got the opportunity shocked. to blow the whistle, he just went boom. I was done. shocked the whistle blew. Robertson is literally throwing the ball from hand to hand in the air, juggling one nil down away from home. If a Newcastle player tried to do that one at Anfield, it would it would have been booked twice in the, in the space of thirty seconds. You know, it's it. Anyway, like we said, it's not Andreas Mariner's fault. We lost this game. He's just it a is. really bad. <laughs> <laughs> He's just a really bad ref. Um, Norman, um, before we move on to a, a point, Emil wants to make about the atmosphere. Um, ASM, you want to talk about him? Ah, uh, it's a tough one to really ASM because we all understand that under Bruce, especially ASM. Probably SM and Dubravka between them were like single hand. You know, they 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 were the, the two who kept up, right? Well, those two oh, oh, Callum Wilson, yeah, I Callum Wilson, obviously. Players, yeah. I. Um, but yesterday was almost a kind of the pinnacle of how ESM's been lately. It was like everything went wrong for him. Like not like he, he's there's a, there's a serious lack of confidence there. I think at the minute he's very much a confidence player. Right, he needs to feel loved and he needs to to feel that he is. I, I think I think I mean you know this is cod psychology, but I, I feel that he feels he needs to be the main man on a team and that's not the case anymore. And there's instances where the ball's been played when he, he he's not trapping it properly, he's not controlling it properly, he's not skinning players. I think what we've seen as well is a lot of teams have just found him out. Like they kind of know, you know, they know how to cope with him. Um, you, you surround him with like three or four players, you let him dance around the ball a little bit and then kind of a lot of the time nothing actually happens. Um, I think the Crystal Palace game the other week, there's a, a gift going around of of um, ESM dancing over the ball three or four times, and they, but nothing came of it. So it's like, well, yeah. the Palace defender just has to go, all right, mate, dance over the ball if you want. And then let's see what you get after that. Um, and yesterday, he, he, I don't think he put a cross, he maybe did he put one cross in, I can't recall. Possibly had one shot, but he was just completely off off it yesterday. And I think it's an absolute confidence issue. And it was one of those performances, and it's not a one-off. It's, you know, as I say, the accumulation of the last three or four months, he just hasn't been anywhere near the player that we've we've seen and it does make me wonder whether he is actually going to be part of the long-term future of Newcastle United because is he the kind of player who's going to fit into what he wants to do? If he is brilliant, but at the same time, I just feel that he's there's something just not quite right with him at the minute, and that to me suggests that this summer might be an interesting an interesting time in terms of where ESM may end up. Fair points, and the difference was noticeable for me compared to Chris Wood, just in terms of pressing the centre-backs and kind of sprinting. ASM's not that type of player. He likes to conserve energy. He likes to be explosive when on the ball, so we can't really do it off the ball. And I thought off the ball were lacked a little bit yesterday up front. And I mean, like you said, first 10, 15 minutes, I thought Newcastle were, if not the better side, certainly made, forcing Liverpool into errors. And if we could have continued that across the game, uh, who knows what would have happened, but we didn't. We didn't by any by any means get anywhere close to pressing Liverpool high up the pitch for, for the majority of the game. And I just think if ASM's playing in that front three, and we are going to play a front three, I don't like them playing through the middle up front. Kind of it worked at Norwich, not because of really anything he did, but it moved Joe Linton out into the left and he had more space. Eddie Howe in the post-match press conference when asked about ASM basically said, well, you know, and, and to be fair to Alan, he needs quick ball to his feet. He didn't really get that at all yesterday. He was he was over the, you know, chasing balls over the top. He was having to kind of contest with Virgil van Dijk. It's just not his his game, is it? But... You're right, it, it's been a long time now. I, you know, I kind of thought these two games against these, or the next three anyway, well, next two now, this opposition, you think, well, it's been so long since you'd say ASM's played well. I'd say Everton at home is the last time he played well, back in early February, that he will play well soon because because it has to happen mm-hmm. sometime. And every game it goes by where it doesn't happen, 
all of the things that you lose because of him, and you, we've gained much, like you said, So, and we can gain much from his performances when he plays well, but all of the things that you lose when he's not really in keeping with the rest of the side, I thought we missed Ryan Fraser yesterday. It's probably the first time since Fraser's been out, I thought his know-how, his ability to win free kicks, he's just a little shithouse Fraser. He's just a, a, like a real good old-school pro who maximises his ability um, and we, you know, I just thought if if it's for the fir- for the first time, I thought if we'd had Fraser on the left the left rather than ASM, would have been better. Mm-hmm. Um, but it it didn't it didn't turn out that way. And I, I don't know if Fraser's out for the season, but we'll we'll soon find out. Emil, let's finish the show. You want to talk about um, the atmosphere yesterday and and the atmosphere moving forward? Yeah, I think it's it's really important now. Um, this sea of black and white that, that's been created. I know we had level seven with it yesterday, and uh, the big surfer crossing over the leases. It just looked magnificent. I had a moment where I, where I zoned out briefly watching it all, and I think that was the first time where I've really taken in just how massive this is. And I, I think that you know it's important as well that, that that happens when Newcastle United are on TV. I know it's the little things now, and I'm not saying that. People are sat at home, players from around the world going, oh, it looks kind of, I'll have a bit of that. But it, it is a massive part of it now, especially as we get towards this. It's like, there's Newcastle um, against Liverpool. Liverpool going to be up there this season and, and probably in a Champions League final again. Players will be looking at that and going, bloody hell, like, look at this smallish club, I guess, who have just come back and, and doing what they're doing now. It, it's a massive part of, of what, Newcastle's recruitment is going to be and, and, and how, how much we can actually get players to come. Bruno Guimaraes being one of the, the first ones who are going to start that movement and hopefully um, we've mentioned again on, on, on our Patreon podcasts how important people like Bruno is in aiding that atmosphere him coming and, and seeing that on his first game that the flags are just it's just magnificent and I, I don't know how you guys feel but I think that that's going to be a, a huge part of how we convince players to, to come and play for us as well as the money but it, it's 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 a it's a massive thing now I don't think the atmosphere and the flags and how beautiful the spectacle is will put people off coming that's for sure yeah. um, <laughs> whether it's a, a direct recruitment tool I mean that remains to be seen it's a it's an interesting an interesting concept, but what I would say is, funny enough, I thought yesterday's atmosphere itself, uh, isolated, was was quite flattened. And again, I think, like before the game, it was brilliant. Yeah, yeah. yeah the flags were magnificent. Um, but what I saw yesterday, what I felt yesterday was, and this ties into the performance, and it ties into the fact that we've said we've had this this period of extremely large amount of adrenaline flow, and, and yesterday it did feel very much like a like job done, end of season, everyone's a little bit knackered. Mm. Um, the 12.30 kickoff doesn't help as well because obviously not many, not many people are turning up to the other ground, you know, full of drink um, as if it was a three o'clock Saturday kickoff or, or even better, um, like a Friday evening kickoff, Friday evening kickoff, such as the greatest. But um, I, I thought, yeah, the, the atmosphere, the atmosphere and the performance yesterday were very much like a kind of end of season, the adrenaline's gone, job done. It's very hard to lift yourself to kind of those levels of, of, of energy after you've just had this kind of really tough four or five months. And the players and the management and the, the club as an entity has had a tough four to five months, tough six months. But the fans have as well, right? There's been a lot of effort put in by the fans. There's a lot of worry. I mean, you, you worry, right? You know, three, three months ago in January or whatever it was, when we got into Leeds, we are stressed, right? We're stressed as fans because I think we get, we're getting relegated. And then to have achieved what we have, for it all to be kind of done and dusted now, which it is for this season, there is just a kind of drop in energy. And I thought the atmosphere kind of reflected that yesterday. Yeah, I, I agree with that as well. I think Liverpool seemed tense as well. Their fans, I mean, being sat where I was... Didn't sing until they scored, by the way. Yeah, no, no I, I felt that as well. I thought they were really 
disappointing, you know, famous or coming up from all these copites coming, oh yeah, it's going to be amazing, but they did feel a bit flat as well, and I guess that they were in that tense mode until they scored, and it was like, oh God, like, this could be, I think the, the Anfield rap said on the on the opposition view, you know, this was the second hardest game for them, and I'm presuming that they may, maybe mean Villarreal or Tottenham were, were the other one, but it's a massive compliment for us that they were actually in a way a bit scared of what Newcastle might do, and I imagine that, that City will feel the same when we go down there next week, I I still think that there's there's going to be a twist in the tail of the title race, but um, I think we, we we scared them. And like you say, I think I think the fans as well, Norman, are, are mentally drained. Like I agree, we're on par with the players. You know, everyone being tied into this. You know, manager owners and 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 club, uh, sorry, fans being on the same wavelength. We've we've lived this 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 entire ride of, of of how we started that that West Ham game at the start of this season and the energy that came into that one and, and all the way through to this it's just it's so tiring. Um, Arsenal will be great. I know it's a Monday night and it's a shame that that was the last Saturday game we'll have at St James's this season. But I still think that we go again, we go again, and we'll, we'll give we'll give that one our all as well, and it'll be tiring. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't read too much into the to that atmosphere. Like you said, Norman, it's just twelve thirty, isn't it? It's just shy kickoff time. No, no one ever is like looking forward to the fixtures being released and thinking, "Oh, we get twelve thirty at home." <laughs> like the worst kickoff time going. You know, Liverpool fans have had to get up at like five or six to if if they do want to get to the ground at a decent time. Probably that has a lot to do with it. Also, Liverpool are just used to winning. I want I want us to be the fans that people say. Oh, you didn't celebrate. You didn't sing till you scored. I don't think it ever happened with us because we're a class. But it is. It is like we 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 do have to appreciate that. Even even Newcastle with the form they've been in in ninth place, it's 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 one of Liverpool's harder games this season. But they ended up kind of coasting through. Mm-hmm. That's that's where we are, and we don't want to be here. We're happy to be here, but we also don't want to be here because we want to be where Liverpool are. We want to be at that part of the part of the table and have those kind of have these games at the end of season. But I think we'll leave it there. Thanks, everybody, so much for, for listening. Thanks to you, Emil and Norman. We'll be back. We might have another free show this week. We'll, I'll, I'll, I'll have a have a word with the executive management team and see if we can get another free show out this week. But we'll definitely be back uh, either next Sunday night, but probably next Monday now with uh, the free show after Manchester City. We're on Patreon for £6.60 a month. If you like this podcast and you want to support us, we would love to have you on board. Speak to you all next time. Ta-da. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.